This is a presentation of the Pitch Podcast Network. Welcome to the Streetwise Podcast, an extension of the pitch in Kansas City. I am your host, Brock Wilbur, and also the editor-in-chief over at the pitch, which is why I'm doing this. This is um, one of those episodes that we've recorded a couple of times and has had technical difficulties, including one where I just did not plug the microphone in. Uh, so uh, this is uh, me early, early on Friday morning. Uh, trying to get another recording in the can here. Is this one working? The levels look right. I hope that I'm doing it right this time. Um, what, uh, what a continuing complicated time we have out there in the world. And, uh, I thought I would share, uh, a complicated personal moment, uh, that, uh, would feel more fun for you than talking about, things at home or abroad. Um, so uh, when I graduated college, uh, the week after my graduation, I was set to have a wedding. And I freaked out and did the runaway bride on that one. And um, me and the person I was engaged to uh, didn't speak for a decade, for good reason, because of my actions and behaviors and life in general. Um, when I moved to Kansas City, I was leaving a restaurant and thought that I saw her, uh, and it turns out she does in fact live here now and is an incredibly important part of the community. So we were like, all right, it's time to maybe sit down and, and have a chat at some point here, hash things out. Cause we're clearly going to see more of each other. Um, around that time, uh, you, you might mention, you might remember if you've uh, listened to the show, uh, last month that I was, uh, super stoked that Cursive and Thursday were coming to town. And then I was super stoked that they had canceled their show because I knew that I would get COVID from going to it. Um, that show finally happened this week on Wednesday night. It was great. The last time I saw Cursive, uh, which had been, uh, the favorite band of me and my ex-fiance, uh, it was in Kansas City. It was before we had hashed things out. And at Record Bar, we stood 20 feet away from each other and tried to pretend that the other person did not exist. We were like, I am just, I am looking at the stage. I, I still don't know that that person is there. Um, yes, we are seeing what had been our favorite band. Um, but uh, no, they're not there. Uh, anyway, in the years since... Me and her have patched things up. Cursive finally came back into town on Wednesday night. I got to the show and found out, thanks to serendipity, that's who I was sitting next to, me and my ex-fiancé. Uh, and now it is great uh, in, in terms of, of what it can be. So we watched the show and screamed along to every word, and like hugged, and like punched the air together. And at one point, we looked at each other and said, "Isn't this better than pretending uh, that the other person does not uh, is not alive and standing near you?" And I was like, "Yeah, this is uh, this is a better version of that." So um, I don't know. For the people around us in our groups, they were like, 
aren't isn't that the person that you were and I'm like yeah 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 I know it seems really really complicated and it is but now it's complicated fun so complicated fun that's what we're shooting for um anyway we've got a great episode of the of the show this week this is the Nick appreciation episode um we've we've got nothing but Nick content coming your way today and uh we just we love Nick so much. We love working with him. His work on the site lately has been just incredible. Uh, make sure to look it up over at thepitchkc.com. Anyway, uh, up first here, a Nick's Music Corner. Hello, I'm Nick Spacek, music editor for The Pitch, here with this week's local music recommendation. At the end of last year, musician Andrew Morgan released two new albums. The first, Sun is the Moon's Moon, is the first Lion album since Wavepool, which Morgan and I spoke about at my house over coffee in early 2019. Sun is the Moon's Moon features half-original versions and half-solo piano versions by Kai Ono, pianist of the KU Jazz Ensemble. The second release, Liminalia, is Morgan's first album under his own name since 2014, but it also features five Lion recordings. The Lion recordings are all instrumental and feature a myriad of influences, including the Antonio Carlos Jobim vibe Morgan and I discussed several years ago, but also a slew of wide-open cinematic pieces which feel free and exciting. The music recorded under Andrew Morgan's own name features vocals, quiet and hidden, making for a more intimate listening experience. Although Morgan has moved from Lawrence to Roanoke, Virginia, and then to Iowa City, all within the span of the last year, his local roots mean we're going to consider him local enough for our purposes, because you really need to hear this music. For this week, we're featuring Liminalia's Satanic Red by turns jazzy and darkly folky. You can find all of Andrew Morgan's music at andrewwarrenmorgan.bandcamp.com. Here's Satanic Red.
Right, right, right. So now we've got a Nick story from the magazine uh, about Quilt Records, which is a record label from the past, maybe? This is one of my favorite stories we've run in recent months. I'm so excited that you get to hear it. Uh, Jason from Stolen Dress Entertainment, take it away. Quilt by Association, Investigating the Secret World of an Enigmatic Record Label, by Nick Spacek. From the 50s through the 70s, some of America's budget record labels gained notoriety for seemingly random output. They released what they could afford to release and, as such, created a connective thread between musicians and styles that otherwise could not be more disparate. Few encompassed the scattershot set of sounds like quilt records. A scan through their catalog is to see the timpanist stylings of Mrs. Helen Marf, the spirited Lazy Blues Walks of Jumbo Puny O'Dainty, Clyle Davenport's incidental music from cult British television series Efron's Flight, and the surf rock of Sparta, Minnesota's The Dumpster Lads. A random smattering of acts still somehow cut from the same cloth. It's a fascinating legacy. Even the most encyclopedic music historian would probably be stumped when it comes to Quilt's three decades of releases. That's because Quilt Records isn't real. All of the music from Quilt's diverse portfolio of artists is a product of a single Kansas City musician, Jason Beers. Those familiar with Beers' musical output under his own name, as part of the Brannock Device, Dead Voices, and Wild Chipmunk and the Cuddly Poos, won't be surprised. Beers is exactly the musician you'd expect to develop his own fictional musical universe in which to play God. It all began with the July 2010 release of a small collection of gargantuan hits by the many pseudonyms of Jumbo Puny O'Dainty. Dropped on Beers' Bandcamp page, it purports to be a compilation of songs recorded by the man born Melvin O'Dainty in Wooly Bully, Nebraska, from 1952 until his death in 1959 due to complications from wounds received during a gig at McGonagall's Happy Times Pub. How did one eccentric release spawn an entire alternate multi-era musical roster? It started out as a goofy pun for the big tiny little albums, the guy from Lawrence Welk, explains Beers. There are other albums that he did under different pseudonyms. I always thought that was kind of hilarious. One night I wrote out all these different things, big and tiny, big, tiny, little, and combined them all. Beers' initial thought was that this would be a hilarious album, mostly for himself. The names of the various labels within the jumbo puny dainty liner notes, such as Valvotrix, Happy Tunes, and Mighty Might, were the inspiration for Quilt's eventual cadre of artists, with Quilt Records being the label for which O'Dainty recorded the song All Broke Down in 1952. The fun was coming up with these weird record label names, Beers says, acknowledging that they're not too outrageous to be believable for the era. So why not keep trying to branch off from the initial Jumbo Puny O'Dainty stuff? Mrs. Helen Marf came in to assist on Timpani Blues at last, a mind-boggling conjunction of piano blues stroll and massive, rolling timpani drums. It sounds as though it came straight from some low-level trickster demon, with the mission to blow minds and confound listeners. Diving the bargain bins at any goodwill will uncover two distinct genres of forgotten music from a time period. You've got the gigging musicians who thought they were going to make it big but flopped. Then you've got the others. It's a universe of outsider art made by people who just had an unceasing impulse to get an idea out of their head and on to wax for others to hear. Folks that would go to make 45s just to share what they thought about the death of JFK Jr. or a mine disaster. The stories of how these songs come to exist at all are often just as fascinating, or more engaging, than the tunes themselves. That's the thing I liked about all those old budget records from the 50s and 60s, says Beers. It seems like anything goes. There's a timpani record, or something that's just bongos and flute and guitar. Sure, that was the thing. I played it out in the whole quilt record scenario. Why not have a bassoon dentist player's vanity album? It just kept going on. In addition to his quilt records output, Beers records albums under his own name. But on his Bandcamp page, his entire personal and pseudonymous discography exists side by side. As the musician puts it, disorientation is central to his sense of fun. 
I like that people get confused, because I think it keeps them on their toes, Beer says with a laugh. If they're just skimming through and it's like, oh, here's the banjo album, and then it's like, holy shit, here's scary theatrical pipe organ music. I like it all, so it makes sense to me. Providing guidance for those coming to the world of Quilt Records for the first time, Beer's liner notes for each release allow him to go further into the lore of his universe. I've tried to create these characters with a singular vision, Beers says of his creations like Marf, O'Dainty, and the farmer, lover of nature, and patriot, Garth Doley. While story often comes before music for Beers, Quilt's most prolific musician, Helen Marf, has a different process. The creator simply wanted to hear weird timpani music. That was it, until the tracks inspired their own whole series of backstories. After two or three songs, or even maybe the first one, it's like, why am I even doing this? I gotta figure out the why. Why would this be? Why would this music exist? Why Would This Music Exist serves as a story prompt, an inciting incident for everything that Beers tackles. These lives, born of a blend of influences ranging from Mad Magazine to apocryphal tales of real musicians, become a deft experiment in world-building. Going through old records, you see these old things from motels, autographed pictures of lounge acts and stuff, Beers says. I always wondered what the backstory is like. These are the people you don't hear about. They're not forgotten, but they're essentially in the rubbish bin of thrift stores, if they exist at all, not remembered by anyone other than their immediate family. They had their weird, skewered shot at fame. Beers finds everyday motivation to join that pantheon of scrambled nothingness. When you drive through these places such as Sykeston, Missouri enough, you'll be sitting in a cafe eating lunch, and as you look out the window and begin wondering, what happened here? What was going on at this place? There's always a fascinating story, Beers says. If you look through Wikipedia, there's always something that surprises. There's always one person where you're just like, I have never heard of them, but evidently they are very important to this town. There is something glorious about dedicating your life's work to exist in, not just a thrift bin of history, but the thrift bin of an imaginary world. In Quilt Records, an amalgamation of sincere approaches to long-lost musical frameworks rises to a level more memorable than mere pastiche. For future listeners that don't know the full context of what they've stumbled upon, the world of Quilt Records might appear to be less homage, less parody, and more real. We envy anyone who might occupy a reality where it seems plausible that somewhere out there, Helen Marf is still delighted by hammering away on her timpani. And now, ladies and gentlemen, Nick's Music Corner, again. Hello, I'm Nick's Basic, music editor for The Pitch, here with this week's local music recommendation. Sister Zoe is a co-founder of Kansas City's Untuck label, using her DJ sets and productions as a means of channeling her experiences as a queer trans woman growing up in the North American Bible Belt. Thanks to the Scuffed Recordings Artist Development Scheme, Sister Zoe was able to hone her production skills throughout 2021, with the end result being her Screw Cheek EP. This debut recording was released at the end of February, and the EP features four moody, bass-heavy tracks equally suited for late-night dance parties or introspectively considering one's place in the world. As the label states, a track like the insistent Don't Test Me, quote, exhibits intricate sound design and carefully considered production throughout the EP, marking her as a producer to watch in 2022 and beyond, end quote. Screw Cheek is available at Sister Zoe, that's Sister Z-O, dot bandcamp.com, and you can follow her work on Instagram at Sister underscore Zoe. Here's Don't Test Me.
that's it for the Nick episode. Thank you, Nick, for being just the best at what you do. Uh, glad to put you on display today and uh, and every week. Um, that's Streetwise Podcast. I've been Brock Wilbur. Thank you guys so much for supporting The Pitch and everything that we do. Check out thepitchkc.com each and every day of the week where we are putting up great, vital, important work. Um, check out the magazine on stands now. Uh, we love you. Please take care of each other out there. Pitch in and we'll make it through. Bye, 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 bye. This was a production of the Pitch Podcast Network. The Pitch is Kansas City's independent source for news and culture. Check out thepitchkc.com to see more podcasts from us, including information for how to subscribe to The Pitch or become a sustaining member. Story ideas or feedback? Write to tips at thepitchkc.com. Pitch in and we'll make it through.